Hey, this is Pastor Keenan. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to our Young Adult Podcast. I know you're gonna be blessed because you are choosing to make listening to God's word a priority today. And if you are blessed by this episode, would you consider sharing it with some of your friends? You never know how God could use it in their lives. Well, hey, here comes the sermon. So lean in because God's getting ready to speak to you. I love you. But are you guys ready for the word? Are you guys ready for the word? I think that was my quickest introduction ever, okay? Quickest introduction. Um, I am so ready for the word tonight. I really believe um, that if God helps me preach it like he preached it to me, uh, it'll truly change your life. And that's what I'm asking for. I don't know how he can do that, but he's God and I know he's big enough to do it, okay? So I'm really praying that tonight God would help me preach this message um, the same way he's been preaching it to me. Honestly, this has been stirring in me for a few weeks now um, and it kind of took on legs and arms and a face over the last week, but this, this concept has been alive on the inside of me. And so if you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn over to the book of 1 John. If you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn over to the book of 1 John. If you don't have a Bible, you evidently have a neck from everyone I can see and you can turn it to the screen, cool? Come on, these are the jokes. Thank you, courtesy laughs, we gotta love them. That's all we're gonna get. First John chapter four, I'm gonna begin reading out of uh, verse one, verse one, and then we're gonna go to verse um, four, if that's cool. First John chapter four, verse one, uh, John the apostle writes this, and you have to understand John is writing this uh, much later in his life. This is not uh, just right after Jesus has died on the cross. It has been some time since he was that wee young lad following Jesus around for three years, okay? This is at the end of his days. Many um, theologians believe John to be around the age of 90 when he pens these words. First John chapter four, verse one reads like this. Dear friends, you gotta love that. Dear friends, and listen to me, I just want to start off by saying, I understand this was written 2,000 years ago, but you have to understand, John is prophetically, by the Spirit of God, writing to you and I tonight. I know he was writing to some people, he could see their face in his mind when he was penning these words, but you have to understand, because the loving, friendly hand of God has come to you, this dear friend now is extended to you. So he's writing to you tonight. You are the friend that he has addressed this to. Dear friend! Do not, listen to this, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you'll recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Some of you are like, is this a Facebook post? No, this was posted 2,000 years ago in our Bible. This has been going on for a while. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and listen to this, and is even now already in this world. Spirit of the Antichrist is already in this world. Some of you are like, this sermon's going to be weird, and I promise you it's not. You, dear children, listen to this part. You, dear children, are from God, and you have overcome them, because the one who is in you whoo, is greater than the one who is in the world. Come on, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. John writes this, he says, dear friends, don't believe every spirit. Don't believe every spirit. In fact, you need to test the spirits. And over the next couple of moments, I really believe that God is gonna use this passage of scripture to truly, I, I really do sense that there is, a, it, this message is tailor-made for such a time as this. And listen to me, if God would have me preach this on this night, but he'd also have you show up on this night, I promise you that this message is for you. So let's lean in. Can I pray real quick? Is that cool? Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you right now for what you're going to do over the next couple of moments. Lord, I pray that you would just transcend my ability to communicate. You transcend my ability to preach. You transcend my ability to yell. You transcend my ability to relate to people. And Lord, that you would help me do it as you do it. Lord, you are the best preacher. There is none like you. You have no rival. You have no equal. And Lord, so I pray that as I pray so often, you would put me on like a glove, God that you would do what only you can do. Again, I just ask that you would help me preach this the way you've been preaching it to me all week. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, come on. Amen. 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 I'm going to be honest. Um, I love 
and hate the internet, okay? Just be real for a second. I love and I hate the interweb, okay? Um, I, I love it for, for many various reasons. I love it because right now, via podcast, there are people listening to me in other parts of the country and maybe even, dare I say, other countries preach this message, okay? It's pretty amazing. I love the internet. It is literally allowing us to fulfill Jesus's command and to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. The internet is helping us do that. Uh, not only do I love the internet because it helps get people to Jesus, but I love it because it helped get Get my wife <laughs> to me. Come on. The internet, babe, don't you dare have that scowl on your face. You're happy you married me. You are happy you married. Rejoice, for this is the day the Lord has made. Come on, somebody. And you're married to me in it. <laughs> But the internet brought my wife and I together. And no, we were not on a weird dating app, okay? Um, we, we met on Instagram, okay? But the internet had a hand. It was ultimately God's hand, putting the internet on like a glove, ooh, and getting my wife to me, right? I love, I love the internet. I love the internet as well because you can learn so much, right? You, there's a, a, a plethora of information right at your fingertips. There's so much that you can learn on the internet. But I have to say, though I love the internet, I hate the internet. And honestly, the reason I hate the internet is for the very, one of the very same reasons that I love it. It's because there's so much information. There is so much information on the internet. I don't know about you, but I have grown into a place where I don't trust anything. I've gotten to a point in my life where just because you wrote it down in some blog doesn't mean I'm going to say, thus saith the Lord. Just because you've put it out there doesn't mean I'm going to take it. And I have, I, seriously, I have, we have been in a, in, in a period of time where we have had more information, yet more confusion than we ever have, I think, in the history of mankind. More information, yet more confusion than we've ever had. Um, look, we can break it down real simple. Let's just take the concept of physical fitness, Okay the concept of physical fitness, what your dietary life should look like if you were to want to get um, beach ready, okay? So like, I, 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 at one point in my life, okay, this was for my, before my wife came along and matured me, and I was, I was very, you know, egotistical, okay? And uh, she has humbled me. But before my wife came along, um, I was like, I wanna get shredded, right? Like I was in this place like every guy's ever been. Like, I need to get shredded at least once in my life, okay? And so I remember whenever I was a little kid, if I had had two wishes. It would be to be super ripped and to kiss a girl passionately, okay? And so that, those were literally my wishes at like five years old, okay? So my struggles run deep, all right? So, but I wanted to get ripped, right? And so I started like trying to look at all these like diet plans. And so I, I, start, I, poked, I poked my head into this article that said um, I needed to eat only chicken and only broccoli for the rest of my life. Okay, that was what it said. Like, if you want to be ripped, you got to eat only chicken and only broccoli. I'm like, I don't really like that. Okay, so I clicked, I clicked out of that. You know, like some of you do with your Bible. Oh, I don't like that one. You know, <laughs> turn the page. Oh, the Lord sees you. Okay, so I got out of that blog, right? I got out of that blog, went and found another one. And this one I liked much, much more because it was drastically different. This one didn't say you need to eat only chicken breast and broccoli. This said you can eat whatever carbs you want because your body processes all carbs the same. This article literally said, a carb is a carb is a carb. So whether you get your carbs from fruit or you get them from Frosted Flakes, okay, your body is going to process it the same. And I was like, my man, okay, where do I subscribe? Okay, so I begin this, this, this thing and all of a sudden I, I get a little bit into it and it's not really working. So I begin to talk to people. I, I decide to leave the internet alone. And I began to talk to people. I was like, man, I, I want to get just, just shredded, okay? I just want to get shredded. And they're like, Keenan, this is what you need to do. You need to do keto. You need to do keto. And I'm like, I know Cheeto, but what's keto, okay? <laughs> I've heard of Cheeto, never heard of keto, okay? So like, this is keto. You need to eat a lot of fat. You need a moderate amount of protein, and you need to eat like next to no carbs, okay? Because when you eat no carbs, your body goes into this thing called ketosis, okay? And all of a sudden, your body begins to run off of fat as energy, and you'll burn it all off. And I was like, my man, okay? This sounds great, okay? So all of a sudden, I begin to devour bacon, eggs, okay? Butter, okay? I am putting butter in my coffee, 
Okay, that is how serious it got. I am putting butter in my coffee. Some of you look like you're on the edge of vomiting. Okay, I'd rather you be on the edge of your seat because this sermon is so riveting. All right. But I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I'm, I'm going full tilt. And if I ever got hungry during the day, I would run over to Stripes and just grab a bag of, of pork rinds, okay? And I would just pound pork rinds. So I'm doing this for like a solid couple weeks, right? I'm like, ooh, I'm in ketosis. I feel good. And all of a sudden, I run into this, I run into this guy who's like a physical trainer. He, he was a part of our church. He's a part of our worship team. And he looks at me. He's like, Keenan, are you like, are you on a diet? I was like, thank you for noticing. <laughs> you know, I'm like... As a matter of fact, I am. You know what I mean? Is the bathroom that way? You know, I don't know. So I'm like, yeah, I'm on a diet. And he's like, okay, what, what diet are you doing? I was like, I'm on, I'm on keto. He's like, you're on what? I said, I'm on keto. You, you know what it is, like the high fat, moderate protein, like no carbs. He said, bro, you want to be shredded? I said, yeah. He said, you need carbs. I was like, I need carbs? Like, I am anti-carbs, okay? Like, I, I have been avoiding carbs like the plague. They have become sin to me, okay? Like, I'm like, I'm staying away. He said, Keenan, no, no, no. I don't know where you learned that, but you need carbs, okay? He said, today, I want you to go home and eat 600 grams of carbs. Uh, and he looked way better than me, so I took him for his word. I said, yes, sir, you know? And I went home. And I ate 600 grams of carbs, okay? I'm trying to get you to understand, we live in a day and age where everyone is an expert. Everyone has an opinion. And there are opinions, listen to me, the opinions are constantly contradicting each other. Can I take this a little step further? I used to really, when I was a kid, I grew up in the church, just so you know. When I was a kid, I lived in this amazing place where that if a book was Christian... I could read it. Now that I'm older and I know a little bit, I realize how many conflicting opinions there are. And there's this theology and then there's this denomination and these people don't believe this and that's actually heresy. And before when I thought I could just take it all in, now I found that my reading material has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller because there's so, so much. We do not lack for opinions. You know, I heard somebody talking recently about the shortages going on. Even Chick-fil-A had a shortage on sauce. But what I want you to understand in 2020 and 2021, the thing we have not had a shortage of is opinion. We have plenty of opinion. We could live off opinion for the rest of our lives. And what I want you to understand is this is my favorite thing that Instagram did. Instagram realized that um, there were a lot of conflicting opinions. So Instagram came in to try to be Instagram came in and tried to be our God. Have you realized this? They did this. All of a sudden, you, you, begin to, you begin to update your Instagram app, and they uploaded this thing called the fact checker. Fact checker. Have you realized this? That now whenever you go to share stuff on your story, it will pop up and say, our fact checkers have declared that this is false information. Would you like to share anyway? They've declared certain things as false and certain things as true. They began to install for us a fact checker. And listen to me, this illustration breakdowns about right there, breaks down right about there. Because the problem is, is even Instagram has a bias. I don't know if you realize that. You try to share certain things and you're like, okay, I, I see which side of the fence you are on. But here's the thing, I began to think about this recently and I was beginning to see all these people posting their various opinions on even the fact that there is a now fact checker on Instagram. And what I felt the Holy Spirit tell me is I am the only one worthy of being your fact checker. I'm the only one worthy of being your fact checker. That's what I wanna talk about tonight. I'm here to tell you, you need a fact checker. Because there are so many conflicting opinions. And this is exactly what John tells us in 1 John chapter 4. He says, dear friends, don't believe every spirit. He's saying, hey, I, I realize that there are a lot of things happening. You have to understand, John lived at a moment when they were, the church was just getting started and there were a lot of people trying to climb up the, 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 the hierarchical ladder of the church. And he's saying, I realize there's a lot of people saying a lot of things. Don't believe it all. He's saying, don't believe everything you hear. Rather, listen to this, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. 
He's saying what you need on the inside is not more information, isn't more academics. You need the fact checker. You need the fact checker. And then you have to ask yourselves, why? Like, why do we need this fact checker, okay? And he tells us right here, he says, dear friends, do not believe every, every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Listen to this, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many, listen to that language, listen to me, don't miss this. False prophets. Now, if you grew up in church, like I did, okay, it's like Jesus has scars and so do we, like we're church kids, this is what we do, okay? But I grew up in church, and I'm familiar with this idea of a false prophet. Okay. People get labeled false prophets all the time. But what I want you to understand is what is actually a false prophet? If we're supposed to look out for false prophets, we need to ask, what is a false prophet? And I think the way, what we can use to define what a false prophet is, is we need to actually define what is a prophet. What's a real prophet look like? And what a real prophet is, is listen to me. I know this is super deep, but you're in college. You should be able to get this, okay? If you want a children's church lesson, come on Sundays, they meet in here, all right? But what a real prophet is, what a real prophet is, is a person who begins to speak God's truth about your future. That's what a prophet is. A true, bona fide, legitimate prophet is a person who begins to, on behalf of the Holy Spirit, begin to speak the truth of God about your life. Begin to speak the truth of God about your future. So if that's what a true prophet is, if a true prophet is someone who speaks God's truth about your future, then what is a false prophet? A false prophet is someone who speaks anything other than God's truth about your future. A false prophet is someone who speaks anything other than the truth from God about your future. And here's the problem. This is where I'm coming for you. We all constantly listen to false prophets. Some of you in here are like, no, I don't. I am very I, I, I go over my podcast list with a fine tooth comb. I vet them. I go through their statement of beliefs, all the pastors I listen to, all the people I listen to. I do not listen to false prophets. Oh, but you do. Because listen to me, the most sneaky false prophets aren't in your headphones. They're in your head. The false prophets in your head, those thoughts that prophesy a future that God's word doesn't agree with. I'm here to tell you tonight, your anxiety is a false prophet. Your depression is a false prophet. Your insecurities, it's a false prophet. Your addiction is a false prophet. It is falsely prophesying to you that your future is going to be without Jesus. Your anxiety is constantly prophesying a future that lacks peace. Your depression, constantly prophesying a future that lacks joy. Your insecurities, constantly prophesying, speaking into your ear, a future that is completely void of confidence in Christ. Your addictions are constantly prophesying a future over you that lack freedom. It's the voices not in our headphones that we got to watch. It's the voices in our head. Because listen to me, false prophets falsely prophesy. And anytime you begin to put your faith on anything other than what this book has declared to be true about you, you are standing on a false prophecy. Standing on a false prophecy. Many of you, and I hate to say this, but many of you, many of you are more acquainted with false prophets than you are the true prophet. You are more acquainted. You quote false prophets more than you quote the true prophet who speaks a better word over you. Oh, come on. Don't you dare let your anxiety trash talk the word that God's spoken over your life. Don't you dare let your depression trash talk the truth that God has spoken over you. Before the foundations of the world were even laid, he spoke your future into existence. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous person, they are ordered of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I think it's time we get a little old school and we start burning false prophets at the stake. We start burning the false prophets of anxiety at the stake. We start burning the false prophet of depression at the stake. Come on. It's time we evict them. 
Some we tell them to hit the road. They're not welcome. The microphone is not on for you, sir. Uh-uh. I'm unsubscribing from this podcast. Whoo. This is why we have to be discerning. He says, test every spirit. Why? Because false prophets, the false prophet. Who's the false prophet? Satan. It's coming to whisper in your ear a prophetic word that is not true. Listen to me, that word is not based in one ounce of truth. Can I just say that to you right now? Some of you believe some pretty crappy stuff about your future. Can I just tell you right now, that's not based in one ounce of truth. Just because it feels true to you doesn't make it true. And that's why you need the fact checker. You need the Holy Spirit. You realize that's who it is. It's the Holy Spirit. Because any word that comes from anything but the Holy Spirit is a false prophecy. Woo! Preaching better than you're shouting tonight. The Holy Spirit has to be the fact checker. Because listen to me, just like on Instagram, you can click something and it'll warn you. It thinks you're sharing false information. But it says, share anyway. The Holy Spirit will let you share from your brain to your heart anyway. That fact checker will go off and say, hey, your brain is about to send a message to your heart that does not line up for my word, but you're a free moral agent, so you can send it anyway. Do you know that's how much God loves you? That he will let you share a lie with you because he so badly doesn't want to control you without your permission. Oh, come on, I'm telling you, God's not like your ex-boyfriend. God's not like your controlling dad who picked your career for you and won't let you live the divine call on your life. God's so much better than everybody who ever acted like a dictator over you. God's not the false prophet. He's speaking the truth. But as the old saying goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. The Holy Spirit will lead you there, but it's on you to believe. It's on you to say, yes, Holy Spirit, I believe that. I'm going to say yes. No, I'm not going to. I know that doesn't line up with your word. I'm not going to share that with my heart. I will not let it survive the migration from my mind to my heart. It's time we start burning these false prophets of anxiety and depression and insecurity and addiction. Start burning them at the stake once again. Woo! I feel it in here. But you see, the problem is, is that most of us, one of the things I think is the biggest, is the biggest false prophet in our lives right now, especially in this day and age, especially in our age, is the false prophet of comparison. Whew. You just feel the air to leave the room when I said that. It's like, he knows. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I know me. I know me. The false prophet of comparison. And here's, listen to me, here's how you know you've been listening to the false prophet of comparison. You begin to talk like him. Your prayers sound like him. All of a sudden you go to God and you say, God, I should be where they're at. I've been serving you longer than them. I, I, should, be where, I should be doing what they're doing. I should be where they're at. Or it sounds like this, God, I'm, I'm falling behind. God, I'm falling behind. And I just feel God saying, behind what? Like for real, behind what? What do you think it is you're supposed to be behind? Oh, you think you're supposed to be behind them? Okay, I forgot that they died for you. I forgot they're your God. I forgot they're the one that knows the plans I have for you. Thus saith Lauren, whoever Lauren is. (laughs) No. The only thing we're supposed to be behind is where God is at in our story. You follow me. You stay in step with me. Don't you dare be looking over into another lane. Anytime we start looking into another lane, what do we do? We wreck in ours. The Holy Spirit's saying, stay in step. As I preached a couple weeks ago, stay in your lane. If the Holy Spirit has you going slow, it's for your good, not his. It's for your good, not his. And you know, the crazy thing about that is if you feel that tonight, if you're feeling like Keenan, because I felt the air leave the room, it was like, whoa, <laughs> comparison, nailed it, Okay. But if you're feeling that, I want you to understand, John, the guy writing this, can totally relate to you. John, the apostle. And now some of you don't realize this, and I honestly didn't realize it until really recently, uh, but John could have easily in his early days dealt with some insecurity. He could have easily dealt with some, some comparison. 
In fact, you have to understand, if you read through the book of Acts, are you familiar with the book of Acts? If you're not, that's totally okay. There's a book, of, a book of the Bible called Acts. And what Acts is short for is Acts of the Apostles, Acts of the Disciples. It's a book all about what the disciples, after Jesus went to heaven, went around doing. Okay, They went around performing stuff. They went around changing the world. And this book is a book all dedicated to that. And here's the thing about the book of Acts. John is hardly in it. John's hardly in it. You begin to comb over the book of Acts, you find him a few little places, but he's not doing anything really impressive. He's not doing anything super spectacular. All of a sudden, you, see, you, you, you turn over to Acts chapter 2, and you find Peter on the day of Pentecost, and a guy who used to be scared of junior high girls is now standing in front of 3,000 people, boldly preaching Jesus, and he does it with such eloquence and such power that the 3,000 people sign up to be Jesus followers. And a megachurch births instantly through Peter. All of a sudden, you get a little further along, you find guys like Stephen, who becomes the first martyr. These guys who are, this guy who's willing to lay down his life for his faith. All of a sudden, you flip through a little bit more, and all of a sudden, you begin to see this guy named Saul popping up all over the place. And you're like, ooh, Saul's a bad guy. He's, he's persecuting the church. He's persecuting Christians. Until you flip a little further, and then you find Saul on his way to go persecute Christians, and a blinding light gets in front of him, and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? My name is Jesus. And now this guy who went from persecuting the church gets his name changed. His name is now Paul, and instead of persecuting the church, he pioneers the church. The, act, the book of Acts is crazy. All of a sudden, this is, this, some of you didn't even realize this was in your Bible. This will blow your mind. This really happened, okay? There was a guy named Philip who we hardly read about in the Gospels, which I love, okay? There's a guy named Philip, and Philip in the book of Acts is walking around, and evidently God really needed him somewhere else. So God all of a sudden translated him. That word translate means teleport. God literally teleported Philip. All of a sudden, Philip is standing in one place, and then all of a sudden, he's, whoop, I'm in a whole nother city. I'm telling you, the book of Acts is action-packed, and the problem is we hardly see John in it all. And the reason that is, listen to me, the reason that is, the reason we don't see John in, up in there in the mix with all the apostles is not because he was being lazy. It's not because he didn't want to be a part of the action. It's because he was on assignment. I want you to flip over to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, we're going to look at verses 25 and 27. This moment that we're going to look at is literally while Jesus is hanging on the cross. Jesus is hanging on the cross in this moment. The crucifixion is, is, is taking place, has taken place, and he has moments from death. And all of a sudden, Jesus is sitting there, and this is what we see. Look at this. John 19, 25 through 27, it says this in the Passion. It says, Mary, Jesus' mother, kind of an important person, was standing next to Jesus' cross along with Mary's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So when Jesus looked down and saw the disciple he loved, that's John, standing with her. Now, I want to pause real quick and just show this to you. Jesus is dying. He's dying. And he looks down from the cross and sees somebody in need and still has time for them. He's in the middle of dying. The Bible literally says that his body didn't look like a human being anymore. You, you would have thought he was an animal. He had literally been filleted wide, uh, wide open. The, 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 the cat of nine tails that the Romans used would have literally ripped almost every inch of skin off of him. They plucked his beard out. He's wearing a crown of thorns. And in the middle of that pain, this is what he does. Look at this. So Jesus looked down and saw the disciple he loved standing next to his mother and said this, Mother, look, John will be a son to you. And then he said, John, look, she, meaning Mary, will be a mother to you. Listen to this part. From that day on, John accepted Mary into his home as one of his own family. So all of a sudden, and now makes a little bit of sense as we begin to flip through the pages of Acts, why maybe we don't see the apostle John in the middle of the action. He's off taking care of Mary. Well, all the other disciples are doing what they were trained to do. They're casting out devils. They're preaching the name of Jesus. They're, they're, they're kicking butt and taking names for the kingdom of God. They're up in the middle of these places going full gangster on everybody. And John's over here slicing finger sandwiches, pouring chamomile tea. My wife drinks chamomile tea. Pouring chamomile tea. 
for little old Mary, sitting there, sitting there spreading her avocado toast. John, in the middle of the moment when Peter, when Paul, when Philip are at the top of their game, listen to me, he, he walked through those same three years. And in fact, he is the only disciple who had the guts to even show up to the foot of the cross. All the other disciples ran away. And John has the brass. He has the, he has the stones to show up to the foot of the cross. This is not a pacifist. This is not a weenie. This is not a, I, I'm just going to sit back and let everybody else do the work. No, he took seriously the assignment Jesus gave him. When it would have been easy to be like, why am I not? Huh? Peter, your shadow's healing people. I haven't seen my shadow. I'm stuck inside. Stuck inside taking care of me. When it would have been so easy for all of a sudden that false prophet of comparison to begin to start whispering in John's ear, he stayed true. He stayed faithful at his post. Guess what? Until Mary passed. Some scholars, we don't really know, the Bible doesn't allude, but some scholars believe that John lived with Mary for 35 to 40 years. Four decades of this. Taking care of Mary until finally she's, she's gone. She's gone to be with her son. And all of a sudden, John begins to be the craziest apostle. And I don't think, here's the crazy thing. And I may bring this up in a little bit. But I don't think it's a coincidence that John is the only disciple that doesn't die by martyrdom. John is the only disciple who does not die a martyr's death. Every other disciple who got to do what he couldn't do had to die a brutal death. And John is the only one who dies of natural causes, dies a right, an old man. And that's where we get the book of 1 John. Maybe God has hidden you because he's got a greater purpose for you. And I know I hit on this a few weeks ago, but you don't, you don't pull out your fine china every day. And what I want you to understand is you're not, you're not a paper plate. You're not just run of the mill. You're not just going to be used once and, and done away with. No, God, we keep the good stuff in the back. And maybe if you're hidden right now, it's because God says, I want to see you take this assignment seriously because I've got something amazing for you down the line. Don't forfeit what God has for you down the line just because you're not happy about it right now. Guess what happens? Right now will be over in just one second. And then you get to step into everything he's got for you. Come on. We got to take him seriously. That, that false prophet of comparison, comparison can begin to talk us out of what God is trying to talk us into. We need a fact checker. And here's the other thing the fact checker will help you do, which obviously I'm saying the fact checker, but that's just a nickname for tonight for the Holy Spirit, right? That's just a nickname for the Holy Spirit tonight. And one of the things, listen to this, one of the things that the fact checker will help you do is the fact checker will help you decide and see between what sounds godly and what is godly. The fact checker will begin to help you see between what just sounds godly and what truly is godly. Can I just tell you right now, everybody who claims to know the whole Bible and know more than you and all that doesn't actually probably know Jesus as they'd like, to, like you to believe they do. Can I just say this? Judas proved that you can look to be being intimate with Jesus while you're quietly betraying him. How did Judas betray Jesus? With a kiss. Some of the people who look like they're the most intimate, in that same moment are betraying. Judas proves it. Not everybody looks as good as they actually are. Man. I want to take you to a point where I want, I want to show you that this happened, that the Holy Spirit, the fact checker, will help you see between what sounds godly and what truly is godly. Let's go there. Acts 16. Acts 16. Some of you will know kind of what happens in this chapter, but I kind of want to go to a part of the scripture that maybe some of you didn't even know about. Acts chapter 16. We'll start at verse 16. What do you know? Acts 16, verse 16. And the reason why I tell you this is because false prophets try to sound godly, but they aren't. False prophets, your anxiety, your depression. You know, sometimes your anxiety... Sometimes condemnation sounds humble. humble uh, being humble is godly. Condemnation says, I'm not worthy of going over there. You, you, you feel like I'm being humble. I know my place. No, that's not, that's not humility. That's condemnation. False prophets, they try to sound godly. Oh, but they aren't. 
au contraire. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 says this. And one day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, this is a guy named Paul and a guy named Silas. That same guy said that saw the blinding light and got his name changed from Saul to Paul and was persecuting the church and is now pioneering the church. This is about him. And one day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. Sounds like a bit of a false prophet. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, listen to this, this is what she shouts. These men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This is what she's doing. She's following Paul and Silas around saying, these guys are servants of Jesus and they're here to tell you how to be saved. Notice what Paul does. I would have been like, yo, girl, you love Jesus. You're awesome. Like, I'm going to put you in charge of something. Not Paul. Paul saw right through it. Notice this. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her. And that's, listen to me, I don't mean to sound weird, but this is what we need to start talking like. We, don't, we need to quit talking at people and start bad-mouthing the spirit that is causing them to do what they're doing. Listen, we war not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Come on, people aren't your problem, the devil is. Can I just say this? The devil doesn't have a human face. The devil doesn't have a human face. If when you think about the devil, you put your boss's face on it, you're wrong. You're wrong. He began to speak to the demon within her and he said this, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And instantly it left. And instantly. So this woman, she's going around. Listen to this. She is saying all the right stuff. Theologically, I have zero issues with what she is saying. These guys are servants of the most high God. And they're here to tell you, come on, get ready, get ready, get ready, how to be saved. She's a preacher. She's awesome. I like her. But guess what? Paul saw right through this veneer of religion and said, you're hollow on the inside. And in fact, actually, in that deep, dark corner, you're not just hollow. You're infested with demons. I know you look right on the outside, but on the inside, it echoes because you're hollow, 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 hollow. And I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit, the fact checker, will begin to give you eyes to see between what sounds godly and what is godly. What sounds right and what is right. And I love that it says this, Paul, exasperated. Another translation says, fully annoyed. Paul's finally like, I'm so annoyed. And here's the problem. Anytime you sound like you love Jesus, but when people take a look inside of you, they, they can't find anything that loves Jesus, they walk away annoyed too. I think that's the problem with why we haven't won the world yet. It's not because our Jesus isn't good enough. It's because we don't accurately represent him. We've settled for a veneer of religion rather than stepping fully in to the robust place of being a son of God in the earth. Do you realize that that's who you're called to be? A daughter of God in the earth. We'd rather go to a church service and check a box and say we're Christian on Facebook than actually step into the relationship Jesus died to give us. We've settled for something that has annoyed the people we're called to heal. So Paul turns around. He says, no, 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 you're not anointed. You're annoying. <laughs> when you say it, there's no anointing on that. It's just annoying. And Paul begins to speak to her. And that's what I want you to understand is this is where many of us get it wrong. All of a sudden, God begins to show us things about people. And we take that. And we're like, okay. And we tell our friends everything that we saw. God doesn't give you insight to gossip. God doesn't let you peek behind the curtain of someone's heart so you can go badmouth them to your little small group and start acting like you're so much holier than thou. Really? Let me check your search history. We'll find out you're not that holy. Let me look at your explore page. Let's just see what kind of pictures pop up. It, it seems to think they, they know what you're interested in. You really think? God gave you that insight so you could go badmouth them? No, listen to me. God only reveals things to you so that he can heal things through you. 
God only reveals things to you so that he can then heal things to you. And it's when we see what's on the inside of people and then we wade into it with them. We step in to the pain, not belittle their pain. We step into that accusing voice that tells them they'll never be good enough. And we begin to be, we begin to be a voice that drowns it out for them saying, no, that's not true. You are blessed and highly favored. You are above and not beneath. You are, you are more than a conqueror. You're not, the, you're not the borrower, you're the lender. You're, you're not the bottom, you're the top. Come on, Jesus paid a too high a price for you to believe that crap the rest of your life. Come on, we gotta drown out the lies of the false prophet. That's who we're called to be. Not go and be a echo of the false prophet. Woo! I'm preaching to myself. Stuff is real, and God, what he reveals, he wants us to help heal. And that's the problem. The church often exploits people's wound rather than helps God heal it. The church says, oh, you got a, you got, you got a cut? Let me rip it wide open. Oh, you got a broken arm? Let me just twist it around. Let me break the other one. Symmetry. It's evil. It's why... It's why some of you had a hard time coming in here tonight. Because you were afraid this would just be another echo chamber of the lies that the false prophet has whispered and sometimes screamed at you at 2.30 in the morning. You think, you think I'm going to get that later tonight. Why do I got to go and get it now? Listen to me. You came to the right place tonight. We don't exist to be an echo of the false prophet that has spoken those lies over you. We here, we're here to cut that. We're here to bind that. We're here to take that and throw it back to the pit of hell where it came from. My God. I'm sick and tired of the people who are supposed to have the, have the answer being the problem. I want to be who God's called us to be. Paul saw this woman and he reached out and he said, get out of I'm not annoyed with you. I'm annoyed with what's inside of you. You get out of her right now. And it left. Here's the problem. <laughs> and this is where you begin to be familiar with the story. She was freed of that demon, but she was no longer able to fortune tell, which meant she couldn't make money for the people who were pimping out her gift. There were people who were pimping out her gift to be able to tell the future, and they were making money off of the fact that this woman was demon-possessed. So now all of a sudden, Paul heals her, and she's no longer lucrative. So what do these guys do? They say, who did this? Nobody's wowed by the power of God. They're just pissed that they can't squeeze her and get another dime out of her. So all of a sudden they go looking, who, who did this? Paul and Silas? Okay, so they grab Paul and Silas and they begin to hurl all these accusations at them saying they're this and they're that and they did all this. And guess what happens? Paul and Silas get thrown in jail. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Paul gave her deliverance and got imprisoned. Paul, his reward, <laughs> his reward for giving her her deliverance was to the dungeon. Sounds a little like Jesus, doesn't it? Walks into our life, we're the ones with the problem. Steps in and says, get out of him. Let me fill every nook and cranny, pocket, corner, and crevice of your heart. And he takes our imprisoned place while we get to skip off free. Is this not a picture of the gospel? Paul is now in chains when she was the one in chains. So all of a sudden, see, Paul's got a problem. And this is what I want to ask you, and this is where I begin to wind down. What happens when following the fact checker brings more pressure. What happens when obeying the, the unction of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you makes things worse? And I know that that isn't what you came to hear tonight, but what happens when listening to the Holy Spirit doesn't immediately make things better? The crazy thing is how do we handle pressure? 
How do we handle what is happening in our lives? What happens when listening to the fact checker brings on more and more and more pressure? As if living on the streets and preaching Jesus wasn't hard enough, now he's escorted the deepest dungeon. What happens when the pressure kicks up? And the thing I want to answer, do to answer, Cody, if you could just hold on for a second. You can stand there, get ready. I will use you, promise you. But the thing I want to point out to you is this. There's two things about the Holy Spirit, the fact checker that we're talking about tonight, that I need you to understand in regards to this idea of pressure. There's two things that the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit will do when he begins to, when he begins to come to you, when he begins to live in you. I want us to turn to a passage of scripture right here. It's in Acts chapter 2. Verse four, Acts 2, 4, it says this, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. So the first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do is fill you. He wants to fill you. Some of you are familiar with this idea of the Holy Spirit coming on you and filling you, filling every part of you, that he wants to reside in you, that he doesn't rent you. You aren't just a nice little timeshare, that if you're acting just right at just the right season of your life, when the temperature's perfect, I'll come and visit for a few days. No, he bought you. You are his permanent mailing address. He fills you. But notice he doesn't just fill you. There's two things he does. He fills you. And then let's look at this, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Ephesians 1, 13 says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, listen to this, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So not only does he want to fill you, he wants to seal you. You need to be filled and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And some of you are asking, Kena, why are you telling us this? Because I'm bringing you into this thing of sometimes the Holy Spirit will bring you into places that really just produce more pressure. How do you handle more pressure? And real quickly, I have a, I have a pretty, pretty lame, or I would say lame, but pretty elementary idea for this, but I want to convey it to you. I have two Coke cans right here. I thought of this a couple years ago and I've never been able to get it out of my head and the Holy Spirit said it's time tonight. I don't typically use physical illustrations, but I decided to change it up. We have two Coke cans here, and the only difference between the two, the, they, they both share the exact same amount of aluminum. They're from the same manufacturer. In fact, I got them out of the same container and carrier. They're the exact same. They're the exact same label. I'm sure they were printed at the exact same time. The only difference between these two Coke cans, Coke Zero, so all the Coke with none of the calories. That's who, this, who, who brought you this sermon, Coca-Cola. But the only difference between these two Coke cans is one is open and empty while the other is filled and sealed. One's open and empty while one is filled and sealed. So all of a sudden, let's just say that this can right here, the one that's open and, and empty, let's say that this represents you, but obviously this represents you without the Holy Spirit. This represents you without the fact checker, okay? This aluminum can is you, which the Bible says that we in and of ourselves, we're hollow. We in and of ourselves cannot do anything for us. We can't do anything for us and we can't do anything for others. We're pretty much useless. This needs to be discarded. So let's say this is you without the Holy Spirit, but all of a sudden you're chilling here in your life. And we'll move it a little closer. You're chilling here in your life and all of a sudden life brings what life brings and that brings pressure. All of a sudden pressure comes and it sees you and all of a sudden life, the enemy, the false prophets, they want to test your mettle. And so all of a sudden the false prophets come and say, let's see what this guy's made of. And oh, Pressure does what pressure does, and it, it crushes. And that is why so many of us run at the first sign of pressure. Because we know pressure crushes. That's what it's done to me before. If it did it in the past, it'll do it again. The, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, okay? I don't like pressure. But all of a sudden, you have to understand in life, pressure is inevitable. The Bible says this, that the Lord calls it, causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. That, that life, listen to me, life touches us all. 
when you sign up to believe in Jesus, when you get filled and sealed by the Holy Spirit, you don't all of a sudden have all of your problems magically go away. I don't know if you can relate. Maybe your story is different. Maybe your life has just been pie in the sky since you met Jesus, but that is not the, that's not the, that's not the rule. You are the exception. So, but let's say that all of a sudden you were living that life and you finally do. You finally accept the fact that you are void and empty and useless and feeling meaningless by yourself. And you say, God, I want to be, I'm come to the end of myself. I'm empty and I need to be filled and sealed by your Holy Spirit. I need to be sealed by the fact checker. So all of a sudden, life comes along. This is you. You're living your life once again. And what I want you to notice, it's the same thing. The aluminum is the same. There's no difference. But all of a sudden, life comes along and life does what life does. And it brings pressure. All of a sudden, the same situation happens to the same kind of person. They even wear the same label. But listen to me, the labels we wear don't always keep us from the storms that come. Same storm comes to this one, but all of a sudden we see that this one can handle 200 pounds. Yes, I weigh 200 pounds of six foot two, hairy legged Keenan Clark. I, this can should be absolutely no match for me. But what I'm telling you, the only difference, the thing that buckled instantly under the same weight and is now actually being able to fend off the weight. I could sit here and preach all day to you. This thing will not buckle. I'm here to tell you the only thing different is that it's been filled and sealed. And listen to me, when you get filled and sealed, all of a sudden you become not a, not a, a showcase of how amazing you are, but people begin to ask, what the heck is in you? What's in you? We went through the same thing, and all of a sudden, you came out different. You came out better. You, you continue to trust God. You continue to stand when everybody else has fallen. And you can say, I'm an aluminum can just like you, but man, I've been filled and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And if you would welcome him into your life, he will do the same for you. Come on. This is, what we, this is exactly what we see. You know, the crazy thing about this idea of feeling and sealing is I love that the Holy Spirit um, has known what we know now, but he knew it 2,000 years ago. Nobody understood the idea of a vacuum seal when the Holy Spirit told someone to write what he does down. He was like, I fill you and I seal you. And people were like, okay, they rhyme. That sounds good. You know what I mean? I don't know if they rhyme in the original, but they rhyme in English, okay? But the thing is, the Holy Spirit knew that you and I in 2021 would get the metaphor. He knew that you and I would understand what happens when something's filled? And so this is exactly what happened with submarines when they began to create them. In the, in the early days of submarines, when they began the prototypes, they would take their prototype submarines and they'd stick them under the water. But all of a sudden, they would get to such a depth that the pressure from the water would crush the submarine like a tin can. And everybody inside would die over and over and over, casualty after casualty. So they were thinking, what do we do? And all of a sudden, some scientist got this crazy idea. He said, what if we added more pressure? But instead of allowing the pressure from the outside, what if we created our own pressure on the inside? What if we created some pressure inside the cabin that when the pressure comes, we release our own pressure? All of a sudden, we find a pressure in and of ourselves that begins to press against the pressure. And all of a sudden, they filled the cabin with this pressure and it was able to withstand the pressure it could not beforehand. I'm telling you, the answer to your pressure is the pressure of the Holy Spirit. The answer to your pressure is pressing in to the Holy Spirit. I know this is a little old school, but I feel it in my spirit tonight that somebody needs to understand that when life begins to press, the Holy Spirit wants you to press back. And what does it look like? It looks like raising your hands. I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to capitulate. I'm not going to lay down and die, but I'm going to raise my hands and begin to put some pressure. Woo! I'm going to put some pressure on what's putting pressure on me. You see, here, listen to me. And Cody, you can come, you can come, you can come. I'm preaching. You have to understand, praise puts pressure on your pressure. Praise puts pressure on your pressure. You see, this is what, exactly what, what happens at the end of this story with Paul and Silas. After they heal this girl, they get thrown in jail. And where do we find them? We find them at about midnight. Acts 16, 25. 
They're sitting there at about midnight. They're thrown in jail. It would have been easy to begin to sulk, but all of a sudden the fact checker on the inside of them said, no, no, I know you feel like sulking, but I want you to start singing. I want you to start singing. The exact opposite of how you feel, that's what I want you to do. I know it's deep, I know it's dark, I know, I know you don't have a, 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 a guitar, I know you don't have a worship team, I know you don't have a click track, but I want you to begin to sing out some songs to me. And it would, it's crazy, all of a sudden you see Acts 16, 25, that at about midnight, Paul and Silas begin to pray and sing. And what happens? A huge earthquake takes place. And the walls that confine them literally fall to the ground. And they and the prisoners who were with them. Listen to me. Your praise is bigger than you. Your prayers are bigger than you. What you're believing God for is bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It has the ability to affect a campus. It has the ability to affect a, a zip code. It has the ability to affect an area code. It has the ability of, to affect a nation. And it has the ability to shake the world. All of a sudden, they said, you know what? We may be feeling pressure, but we got our own pressure. I came with my own sauce. I came with my own anointing. I came strapped. And all of a sudden, they began to be on the inside of that prison, and they created a pressure with their praise that put pressure on their pressure. And the walls came down. I'm telling you, this is why, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. This is why John ends what we read like he did. And he says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's literally a part of this. He says, in the same breath that he says, test every spirit. Don't believe everything that pops in your head. Bounce it off the fact checker. He says, why? Because greater is he. Greater is the pressure that is on the inside of you than the pressure that is in the world. Come on. I wish that there would be some people who didn't just show up on a Thursday night and lift up a song, but when they leave this place, woo! What happens in your dorm room matters. Listen to me. I don't know who this is for, but I feel strong, and I know this may sound weird. I want you to go back to that place, whether, whether it's in your room, whether it's in your bathroom, whether it's in, a, in your phone. I don't know where it's at, but I want you to go back to that place that's held you bo it bound. I want you to go back to that place that's held you in bondage, and I want you to begin to worship on the same floor that you used to sin in. I want you to go back to that place and I want you to begin to put pressure on the place that puts pressure on you. Some of you, it's a physical location. Some of you, it's a, it's a mental location that you begin to go back and you say, God, I'm gonna stand in this place that's held me bound. Now I'm gonna put pressure. Woo! Jesus. I'm gonna put pressure on what's been putting pressure on me. Says, I, wasn't, I wasn't born to die here. I'm called to more than this. Jesus. You know, that's why Jesus dying on the cross worked. It's because though the sin, listen to this, don't miss this. Though the sin of the world was placed on, you know, that's what 2 Corinthians 5 says. It says that the sin of the world, the entire world, every sin you have ever committed, past, present, future, not only yours, but every person on planet earth, all of their sin was placed on Jesus. Can you imagine the pressure? Every sin ever committed weighing on you. But guess what? Jesus, the sin died. But he didn't. Why? Because greater what was greater what was what was in Jesus than what was in our world. Jesus couldn't stay dead because greater was what was in him. Than, come on. Greater is what's in you. I know you're still bound. I know you're still anxious. I know you're still addicted. I'm here to tell you tonight. I'm here to prophesy in alignment with the word of God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That includes you, sir. That includes you, ma'am. Last I checked, you're in the world. Greater is he that's in you than you. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it to completion and to the day of Jesus Christ. Come on. You need the fact checker. You need the Holy Spirit to start waking some stuff up in you. You need to stop worshiping at the altar of a false prophet called anxiety, a false prophet called religion, a false prophet called tradition. And you need to start worshiping the one who lives today and today and forever. Come on.
So if you would say, Kenan, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I promise this is where I land. If you would say, Kenan, you're talking to me tonight. Kenan, I've had all sorts of voices. I've had the anxiety. I've had the depression. I've been bullied by depression, by addiction, by insecurity, by condemnation, by comparison for far too long. And I'm ready to silence the voice of the false prophet. And I'm ready to say yes to the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you'd say, Kenan, that's me tonight. I want to accept Jesus for the first time and for the first time in a long time. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Come on, right now, right now. Hands up, hands up, hands up. And I'm going to pray for you. Yes, 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 yes. Ooh, come on, anybody else? Yes, I see that hand. Come on, yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Come on, anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, there's nothing like saying yes to Jesus. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Come on, don't let a moment pass you by. He's good. I tell you, he's good. Yes, yes, he won't turn you away. A bruised reed, he will not break is what the Bible says. He will mend you. He will hold you. He will mold you and shape you. He will speak a better word over you. Father, Lord, I just thank you right now for every hand that is currently raised to heaven because that hand represents a heart that has just been yielded to you. Lord, I thank you that right now I silence the voice of the false prophet. I silence the voice of anxiety. I silence the voice of depression. I silence the voice of addiction. I silence the voice of condemnation. I silence the voice of insecurity. I silence the voice of comparison. I silence the voice of their mom. I silence the voice of their dad. I silence the voice of tradition and religion and I call them free right now in Jesus name Woo! I call you free right now in Jesus name who the sun sets free is free indeed and I say right now that better word spoken from your heavenly father rings in your heart it rings in your ears right now in Jesus name I speak it right now I call them saved I call them secure I call them heaven ready right where they sit not based on anything they've done but based on everything you have done and it's in the mighty name of Jesus I pray come on and everybody said amen come on let's give him some praise tonight